they're buying from these emails. Their emails are doing great, but there's always a good percentage of people that no matter what you send them, they're just never going to buy from email. But those people are now buying from this new channel, SMS. Welcome to the High Voltage Business Builders, a show where we interview people committed to making their next million through passive income using real estate, brokering, e-commerce, and beyond. If you're a passionate business builder yourself, visit VoltageB2B.com to get in touch now. I do live out in the middle of the boonies. Thank you for bringing it up. Dave, we're live. Uh, thanks for coming on the call today. I'm excited to have Dave Miz here. Uh, Dave, welcome. Thank you so much for having me. Appreciate yeah, it. Yeah, we were just laughing about me living in the boonies. It is the boonies. It is the sticks. It is uh, a Hickville or flyover state, as some people like to call it. Um, Dave and I go back. I don't even remember when I met you, Dave. It's got to be a long time ago, um, yeah. at least five or more years ago. <laughs> the he, He's an internet legend. If you don't know, email was probably invented by Dave. I, I say that lightheartedly, but at the same time, there's probably some truth to that. He's been doing this thing since at least 2000, if I remember correctly. Um, he has sold many millions of dollars. He's specializing in email through his uh, email experience. Uh, business. And when it comes to e-com, when it comes to really making money in the customer lifetime experience, when it really comes to getting that back end dollar out of e-com, this is the man who's going to share some information for us today. So let's get into email and the experience that is email. Does it work today in 2022? Is email dead? <laughs> Definitely not dead. Definitely not dead. It's only dead if you're not using it. But um, yeah, it's definitely not dead, man. So let's unpack that a little bit more. When you say it's not undead and I'm a marketer who who happens to use it, if I'm not really into the email or email isn't a part of my business, should it be? Is there some reason I shouldn't be doing email in, in some business models or does it make sense to do it across all? I mean, obviously we we focus on e-commerce uh, with what we do. So, um, but in every case, you should be doing email because at the end of the day, people buy from people that they know, like, and trust. And that just lets you keep top of mind. You know, people are still buying from their emails. It's usually the you know, one or two in terms of, you know, profit generators or revenue generators. Um, and not just email, SMS too, you know, so, um, you know, that's kind of like the next evolution of, of email, if you will. Yeah. So let's dig into that a little bit more. Cause I know obviously we get a lot of emails and many people get a lot of spam and not everybody loves emails, uh, to some degree, although it is one of the oldest online communications. I mean, obviously we have TikTok now and we have all these new fingled devices and mobile devices and stuff. And, and quite honestly, most of the people I talk to still resonate on text messages. How old school is that, right? Um, but in terms of email and its marketing, and you obviously mentioned SMS, let's start with email first. Um, open rates, delivery rates, accessibility. I mean, what are some of the things you see as both pros and cons about email that people maybe are listening to right now who want to get started in it or want to get more advanced in it? What can you give them? Well, I think sometimes people try to you know, they kind of do things in the wrong order. So I, you know, I talk to a lot of store owners and they don't do any paid ads, for example, and they're just kind of sputtering along and then they're worried about email, but it's not the right time. You know, they may, they maybe have a very, very small list, uh, very small traffic numbers. And so email is never going to be a replacement for traffic. Sometimes people have that misconception. So you really want to get the acquisition side of things dialed in and get the, the site, get your business you know, humming with action, um, you know, that's going to be the oxygen for the emails, right? Without people abandoning carts, without people visiting the store, the site and abandoning, without people buying your stuff, you know, there's no, on the automation side, nothing's going to really happen. Yeah. And then if you just like reverse engineer the numbers on the campaign side, you know, 20% open rate, 5% click rate, you know, you can kind of reverse engineer the numbers 
and, and see there's just a certain point where the numbers are just too small to really have any kind of big effect. And so yeah. it's kind of like 80-20 rule, like you're probably better served at that point, focusing on the 80%, which would be traffic acquisition, you know, that type of stuff, um, rather than the 20% at that point, right? And so it's just like baking a cake, you know, you got to have the cake first before you put the frosting on. And, um, you know, that's probably the best analogy, I, maybe the worst analogy, but I don't know because people want to get to the frosting first, right? I mean, that's why they literally have like frosting in a cup now that they, they, they market you to like dipping graham crackers and stuff in, right? Because everybody yeah, wants and to it's, the you know what it is? It's, it's shiny object syndrome, you know, it like is. everybody wants to do the shiny sure. objects and stuff like that. But, you know, you, you have so to do wet. them at the right time for them to really, you know, really, really work. Um, but depending on what you're selling, I mean, if you're selling info products, obviously you don't need yeah. a big list. You just yeah, need I a really good offer. Um, you know, to, to really make that work. So it just really depends on the context in terms of like what you're selling, what you're doing and, and stuff like that. So I'm a store owner. I have a Shopify store right now. It's not driving a lot of traffic because I'm working on doing some optimizations and looking at the next steps. What do I need to get that store to like revenue wise or even profitability, or let's just say revenue. Cause it's an easier number for some people to digest at this moment. What does the revenue of the store need to be before email starts to make sense? So I, I like to forecast numbers in this, in these kind of scenarios. So Clavio, for example, their benchmark is 20%. So we can use that as just kind of like average. Um, so every hundred thousand, you should be making 20,000 from email. That would be average numbers. Could be a little bit better, could be a little bit worse, but let's use, you know, we'll keep it an average. So if the store is doing 50,000 a month, you'd be doing half of that, right? 10,000 a month. So obviously there's time investment involved with setting all that stuff up. There's a skill investment in terms of, you know, being able to write the emails, design the emails, you know, use Klaviyo, whether that's you learning all those things yourself or you hiring somebody to do all those things or whatever it is, whatever, you know, shape or form, it's either a time investment or a money investment. So obviously from that 10K, however much it costs to, to generate that, then you have cost of goods. Uh, et cetera. And then you're, you're really left with the final numbers, right? But it's not a one-time uh, deal. I mean, we're talking no, about it just continues. revenue. It's right? just really continuing. So you get that, that set up and then you run the campaigns. Yeah. And then you just run that. Those are, I'm talking like automations on one side flows and then, um, you know, campaigns. So between the both, you should, you know, 20% is like the, the benchmark. Okay. Give some people some understanding of where they got to get to. Yeah. And obviously you can get a lot higher, right? We always hear stories. We always see stuff that goes a lot higher, but just in, if you're just looking at averages across the board, you know, that's what they try to strive for. Okay. Excellent. Well, as a guy who's spent the last three years running around, what, 28 million now, a last check in, in revenue for your clients, I think you probably know what you're talking about. <laughs> or you wouldn't. We haven't really dialed in, man. Took a, yeah, dude. Tell us about that. Tell us some more. Give us some client case study. Maybe something you want to share about. I think it's just, it really stuff. comes down to a lot of optimization. Um, and, and testing. And I think, you know, it's, it's like the dirty word that nobody ever wants to talk about because it's a lot of fucking work. You know, we, I, I was on the phone with a store owner two days ago. Uh, we did her audit and, you know, they were doing okay. They were at like 35%, but for the vertical they're in, they should be in the 40 percentile range just because of what they're selling and who they're selling to. And we told her it's going to take like 60 to 70 emails between the whole the whole flow structure and campaigns to really figure out it just on the first like go around right to set up all the tests correctly and everything and 
people don't do that because it's a lot of work. You know, if agency is getting paid to do 15 emails a month and you're telling them they've got to do like 60 now, they're going to send you like a bill 5x for the month. So, But most good things do come from the work, though. And for those who put them in, obviously, they'll reap the reward. I think it's what people don't necessarily appreciate in putting that work in is when or how I would expect the return on that result, on that time or energy being spent, right? Yeah, it's just going to continue. It's just going to continue. That's the thing. You know, people have this idea that it's like set it and forget it. And it's just like your ads, you know, like I suck at ads. So uh, my my knowledge is probably like beginner level. But um, on the ad side, if you're running a Facebook ad, they have a lifespan. You know, when I used to do like plenty of fish advertising uh, for dating stuff, I would do, you know, like have banner ads and, you know, they would work for like a month. And then after like a month, they would just die off, you know, and everything has a life cycle. And if you're not taking that data in that you're collecting from, you know, every, all the flows, all the campaigns, if you don't have any process to improve it, eventually they're just going to stop working. And then you're going to be, you know, kind of up, up the creek on that side. So how critical is that work in today's market? We're in 2022 at the time of this recording, and we're looking at um, a lot of factors from uh, higher cost of CPMs and ad costs rising. And of course, availability of products and supply chain are affecting every business, even the drop shipping ones. It's huge. Um, huge in terms of ROI, in terms of uh, return, if I'm not doing email. Yeah, I mean, if you're not doing email and your your costs are going up, but then you're missing out like on 30, 40, 50, 60% of your revenue each month. I mean, you don't get an award. You don't get like a two comma club award for making this more difficult for yourself, right? Yeah. Like the goal is to make it as easy as possible. Right. There should be a right? two comma club award for that, right? Um, yeah. Like we don't get any extra points. There's no like award for, for making this more complicated for yourself. Yeah. Like I, I always try to make things as easy as possible. And yep. so like how much more difficult would it be to scale if you're missing like a third or a four, you know, a quarter or a half of your revenue every month? Well, I just look at it as time of activity to ROI. If I spent an hour every day writing an email, let's say, if I just booked an hour on my calendar every day to write an email, in 60 days to 70 days, I'd have my flow. So if you could break it down to basic form, you know that there's going to be an result. Um, they don't have to be perfect, do they? It's mostly just getting in front of your clients. I talked to a store owner several months back, really smart guy, built the whole like business, him and his partner. And he did all the email himself. He asked us to do an audit on it. So we checked and he was doing pretty good. He was like in the mid 30% on Clavio, um, which is solid. And I told him, look, everything looks really good. Like considering you like one person built this, this is probably like one of the best setups I've seen. Um, you, you just don't need much. I would focus on optimization because it doesn't look like there's a lot done. But overall, the numbers are solid. I would be hesitant to tell you that we can you know, improve it by X amount in a certain amount of days just because it's so good already. Um, and I sent him on his way. He came back a, like a month later and he had bought his partner out. So now now he had the whole business to run himself and he was spending like two, three hours a day on the email stuff. And he was good at it. He enjoyed doing it. But now he had the different situation where he had to run the entire business and grow the whole business. And that two to three hours a day for him was more valuable doing other things now than just doing email. And so, yeah, I mean, he came back and, you know, it was a different context um, as far as, you know, him bringing us on. It wasn't necessarily to boost the numbers, which is what we're trying to do. It still, it was more take these three hours of day, you know, my day away and, and free it up. So it just really depends. I, I say that just because it really depends on where you're at. You know, could your time be better served doing other things? Maybe, maybe not. It, you just don't know. 
Well, there's the two tracks we look at in, in any type of uh, business opportunity, whether we're scaling or we're trying to reduce time uh, and delegate tasks and things away from ourselves. And there's the, you know, don't do it myself and done for you components. Everybody wants to jump to the done for you, but never understands the complexity of the work um, that gets done. And I know what you're suggesting is literally he at this point had done enough for himself that didn't really make sense to get you guys in, involved, which is cool to hear you say that because so many people would just take the opportunity to say, oh, no, no, we'll do it for you anyways, which obviously can end up in a very bad reputation situation <laughs> if you can't give them the kind of ROI. Um, give me some, give me a, give me a case study of somebody who came in who wasn't doing it well that you guys jumped in. Maybe they were doing really well on the ads and the traffic and first click acquisition, but um, on the second and third on their CLTV, what kind of impact did you guys have? We uh, started working. I'll give you like two. This one's kind of extreme just because it, it just happened and it's like fresh in my mind from, from Black Friday. So the, it was November. We just started working with a brand. They, they've been on Shark Tank, um, maybe a few seasons ago. So it's, you know, every few months it repeats. They get a big spike of traffic. It's a seasonal business. So a few months out of the year, it's dead. The rest of the year, it's just kind of like so so. And then obviously at, at certain time of the year, it, it spikes. Um, I don't think they were buying any traffic at this point. So the numbers are going to be a little bit skewed, but we hit like 80%, 89% email revenue for the month, which is crazy and just crazy numbers. Uh, Black Friday, Cyber Monday. Um, so email's definitely not dead. Um, you know, he made more money in that month than I think he's, he's made from email for the year, uh, before, before that. What were his revenues before he went into that? I'm not sure a uh, specific revenue. I just know from, cause my team was going nuts. Like this is, this has to be like a new record. Cause you know, like we never <laughs> Ring see the bell. like 60% is crazy high, but yeah, like yeah, yeah. 70, 80, like that's, that's like insane. But we work with a cosmetics brand that we've been working with for a few years. Um, you know, they were probably at like five or 6 million a year at that point. Um, so doing pretty well, but they had somebody in their office doing email. Um, they knew it was not performing well. Um, so we did an audit, we checked everything long story short. I mean, we're doing like 5 million a year for them now. Um, you know, so it's, it's a huge, huge jump. Well, and so many people are taking advantage of it. Like, for example, I just got to notice that, you know, Amazon is now allowing the, it's rolling out of beta, but they're allowing email broadcasting for brand sellers inside of Amazon now. Um, what I'm That's saying gonna be huge. Is, it huge. should so, be as, as soon as they dial it in. Cause right now it's mostly getting to like brand awareness because the click through rates aren't really great, which means they got some optimization to do, which they will. But the ability to email your customers who purchase from you through Amazon FBA has always been a big problem for people talking about how Amazon takes the customer, et cetera. From this side of the house, and I thought you might appreciate hearing this, is Amazon's about ready to start ramping that up. That's going to be huge for Amazon sellers because now you have a chance to get people back into buying your other products um, and services and stuff. Um, and so like one of the big things that I try to do is is just really take inspiration from other sources. So with the Amazon stuff, I mean, you could totally take stuff that's working on, you know, Shopify e-commerce brands and kind of apply that to what you're doing. I hoard emails. I have like this really OCD habit. So sometimes we take inspiration from, you know, like travel sites, uh, Expedia, Hotwire, you know, those type of sites. Um, sometimes it's inspiration from totally different verticals. And so um, you just have to be open minded and just really look for ideas um, in all different places and then figure out your your own little way to a. Uh, you know, to apply them. Yeah, that's smart. I thought was I was one of the only people to do that. See, I targeted at uh, the avatar level to say the groups that I, I want to reach. So I get in the email list for people and businesses that support that avatar. And then I follow along with their emails and then kind of borrow their language uh, in my own emails because it talks to the same avatar that I that I want to work with. 
Um, and email is the way to do that, right? Um, speaks to that same level. So I know that you uh, obviously are into email scaling. You mentioned SMS. Let's jump to that topic for just a second because you know it's been around for a while and SMS marketing isn't really new. Uh, it's not even trendy. I just don't think that many people realize the power of all of this noise <laughs> that's out there from all the dings and the red lights that show up across all these apps that we have installed on our phones, right? It still seems to me, and at least it is for me and many I communicate with, that the text message is the go-to default. It's the first one you check out of all the red messages. Um, what are you seeing? What are you seeing from your business and from your experience? So I think it really comes down to staying top of mind. And I think all, all these tools that, you know, whether you talk about Facebook Messenger, how everybody was talking about that and how that worked really good, SMS, email, it, it, these are all just different ways to stay top of mind, whether, you know, you're posting organically on Facebook or Instagram and you're trying to stay top of mind that way. You know, email is just for the history has just been proven over and over again to just be one of the highest converters. Um, but SMS has been next level. Um, we've done SMS a few years ago. Uh, with some bigger clients and for whatever reason, just couldn't get it profitable for them. With Even with a lot of testing and optimization, I just think the platforms uh, just weren't sophisticated enough of maybe three, four years ago, which isn't even that much time ago, but it's not really like on the internet. It's kind of like, it seems like forever. It's like two years before COVID. If you really you know, oh, like, think, think about like just how crazy, <laughs> you know, so I just think the pricing was off. It was too expensive back then. And then people's buying behaviors as well just weren't really focused on buying from text messaging or, or or that in that sense. So you combine all three of those factors, we just couldn't get them profitable. Uh, those same brands, right when COVID hit or right before COVID, uh, you know, we started using different platforms. Um, you know, you, you know, all the main ones, SMS bump, uh, attentive, postscript, emotive, all these different platforms have popped up. Um, even Clavio has a built-in SMS and it's just crushing crushing. Um, I don't know if it's because of COVID and people staying home and, you know, bored and buying. Uh, the platform's pricings have gotten cheaper. Uh, they've gotten more sophisticated, uh, more better tracking, et cetera. It, it's just I can't tell you exactly what it is, but I can give you a conjecture, at least on my own experience from what I'm seeing. And it is that the adoption rate of a generation of texters who were mm -hmm. everybody who was pre sort of in the mid internet are, you know, low, old, just older than us, I guess, by 5, 10, 20 years who got online in the last two to three years because they were forced to, but didn't really want to get online and start shopping and buying, who had a more uh, you know, propensity to text message. And so they feel it's more trustworthy than all these apps on their phones. And they happen to have the buying power. And since they got into the adoption over the last two, three years, all of a sudden they get text messages and it has a different authority to it. I think if you checked your demographics and age group, you'd find that they're going to be people who are 40, 50 plus who are now responding more to the text messages on a sailing it's the same kind of inversion thing that I'm hearing from my direct marketing friends who are saying, you know, the 18 to 24 year olds are where they're getting some of their best direct mail sales from uh, because they are wanting to open packages. They're wanting to get mail and they're buying things because they're tired of looking at all. The cycle right? just continues isn't back it? in a circle. It's just it's, a, it's just this crazy, crazy. weird circle. <laughs> isn't that crazy? So you see this thing all inverting. You just got to kind of stay ahead of some what it is. And when you hit the right kind of people like Dave and you understand where it's going, uh, then you can obviously learn how to take advantage of those kinds of things. And Dave has been great about sharing some tips. SMS has been crushing it. Um, just to kind of give you like a high level thing. So on all the stores we manage, I think we're doing about 6% on a campaign side, just, uh, you know, averages across the board. And then th about 33, 35% in a flow, which is, you know, like some kind of automation, like a welcome flow, abandoned cart. 
you know, buyer flow. So think about this for a second. These are all people that are getting our emails. We're, we're sending a few emails per week, all the flows, everything's set up correctly. They're buying from these emails. Their emails are doing great, but there's always a good percentage of people that no matter what you send them, they're just never going to buy from email. Right. But those people are now buying from this new channel, SMS. 6%. Like, do they trust? Which part of the authority Huge. do they trust? Huge. So you, you should be adding somewhere between 10, 20% of online revenue to SMS. So if you take that measurement, if you flip that back to the front end, you should actually in your brain, and tell me if I'm wrong, assume that additional 10 to 20% on the front end acquisition and adjust your front end marketing to make up for that. Meaning if you can use that additional 10 to 20% to acquire that customer that gets you on the first click, uh, acquisition versus getting somebody else's business. You've just won the customer that will come through your back end and earn that 10, 20% or more back from you uh, on their second and third purchase. I don't think people understand like e-commerce is made and what you're literally telling us in the numbers, your revenue and profits are coming off of email and SMS. They're not coming after first click acquisition. Is that what I heard correctly? Yeah, I mean, a lot of clients are still making profits on the front end. Um, and I think that's probably the reason why a lot of people don't do email is, you know, they're just, it's simpler, you know, it's, I'm making money, I'm spending X amount of money on Facebook ads, I'm making, you know, t double this, why do I need to do anything else? But in your experience, are your bigger, higher, more profitable clients, what actually are they doing? They're from, I don't know their intimate numbers on the ad side, so I can't, I can only speculate on that. But from what I see, uh, still profitable on the front end. Um, still profitable on acquisition. And this is just, you know, adding fuel to the fire, um, you know, you know, so to speak. But yeah, I mean, you know, it's like that old saying, you know, he who could spend most for the most for the per customer wins. This is what I was getting back to. If you can understand the metrics of those numbers and you can switch them back around to the point where maybe a campaign is profitable, great, but maybe it's not exactly profitable or maybe you're just at break even. You could be able to turn that up just a little bit if you get email and SMS in your back end. Yeah, I mean, like, yeah, like if you have your ads and you're testing, you're going through the testing process or you have some ads that are breaking even or just not, you know, kind of slightly profitable. Usually those are like the ads you turn off or, you know, those, you know, you'll keep them going to try to like figure out what's going on. But those type of scenarios, think about it. You're adding 20, 30 percent, 40 percent, 50 percent combined between email and SMS. Now you're profitable. You, you can leave those those campaigns running forever. Um, and, and they'll just keep making money at break even, but you're making money, you know, throughout the whole That's thing. That's the whole point. Cause I know there's a lot of people get those campaigns going. They don't look really sexy on the front end. So they shut them off. And that's actually the wrong thing. Cause if you're acquiring customers, you're winning. That's what I tell people like you're winning at that point, figure out how to get them in the email and SMS. And all of a sudden, yeah, just add these, start adding these other pieces into the mix. Yep. And, you know, then you factor in, you start doing some split testing optimization on the store, you yep. know. Maybe every three months you find one thing that works and it doubles the conversion rate. And you, so you're winning more from here. You're winning more from here and you're adding all that up together. And now your business went from breaking even or, you know, on the ads or slightly profitable to like super profitable. Well, folks, if you can't take any of this information and go apply it to your store today, you probably weren't paying attention to all the information that Dave just gave us, like literally in a do-it-yourself sort of capacity. He gave you the name of the software. He gave you the understanding of the numbers and metrics you should hit. And we even gave you a simple little thought here to go out and at least spend one hour a day writing an email for the next 60 days to get in process. If that sounds like it's too crazy, if that's too much time, if that sounds like you can't get out there and do it, then hook, get with Dave at the email experience. Guys, I recommend you check him out. 
Uh, I always recommend him to anybody who's ready. I, when my store gets to a certain point, I'm going to hit up Dave for email. It's just that simple. Um, look him up on Facebook. Go check him out. Look at his case studies. Look at his history. Um, when it comes to the guy who does email online for e-commerce stores, you want the email experience, hit up Dave. Ms. you can find him on Facebook. Dave, any final parting uh, words of wisdom that you'd like to give the audience here? Words of wisdom. That's like, <laughs> that's like a lot spot. of pressure. I know. You, <laughs> Time wounds all heals. Uh, <laughs> um, should I get like philosophical? Or, oh, you um, do whatever you want, man. No, I think, it, you know, just practical. You know, you get in the habit of, of sending an email, two emails, three emails a week. Um, just like Neil said. You know, sit down with your morning coffee, check out the news, find something relevant to your product or service and you write up an email and, and make an offer and hit send. You know, if, if nothing happens, big deal. You just keep doing it. Just keep doing it. Get in the habit of doing it and, and you'll be surprised. After, once the momentum starts, people will start buying um, and then you, you'll see. The no like and trust relationship building starts with a little bit of action, however imperfectly, every day over some coffee. Yep. Thanks, Dave. Appreciate you for coming on, brother. My pleasure. Man. If you like this episode, please share it with people you think will enjoy it as well. Thank you for listening and be sure to tune in next week for a brand new episode of High Voltage Business Builders. 